Concordia University St. Louis offers flexible, accelerated degree programs designed to fit your schedule. Take the next step into your future with a university that has a 25-year history in St. Louis, strong ethics, standards, and service to others. Concordia University will help you reach your goal. Classroom and online options available. Classes forming now. Call today for more details. 314-984-8840. Call 314-984-8840. do we build a positive relationship with a Jehovah's Witness? What about family members and loved ones that become involved in the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society? How can we keep the communication lines open, but also be ready to share our faith in Christ with them when God opens a door? Join us today as I feature Keith Walker, President of Evidence Ministries. As a missionary to those involved in the Jehovah's Witness organization, he often meets and interacts with active Jehovah's Witnesses. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Keith. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm honored to be with you. All right. Well, we want to talk today about relationships and how important those are especially as we strive to eventually witness to a Jehovah's Witness. And I noticed on Facebook, uh, Keith, that you regularly meet with Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, And I just wondered uh, what you do. I kind of want to walk through what you do as you uh, strive to meet and build a relationship with them. My guess is you're not... Because you continue to meet with them. You're not just jumping on everything you know that we disagree with uh, about what they teach. You're not just pushing that right into their lap, but you're building a relationship first. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Uh, There's plenty to jump on, and Mm -hmm. there's uh, plenty of time to do that. Uh, But what, what I really encourage people to do is earn the right to be heard. And I don't do this just with Jehovah's Witnesses. I do this with Mormons, too, or, or anybody that, that you want to be able to, to have an opportunity to explain the gospel and explain their need for salvation. Uh, the way that I, I met this one particular witness that I'm meeting with now is every uh, late, um, or late March, early April, the Watchtower Society has their annual memorial. Mm-hmm. It's the one time of the year that they offer the elements of communion, except that 99% of Jehovah's Witnesses don't partake of it because they're taught that they're not part of the New Covenant. Mm -hmm. So I go to this event every year. It's a Uh wake-up call to me to literally watch them rejecting Jesus, rejecting the New Covenant, and they literally just pass the plate to the next person and nobody partakes. Mm -hmm. So you see an event like that, and lots of questions come up. So whenever I go, I I pick a different Kingdom Hall every year, Mm -hmm. and I I live in the San Antonio area, and there are plenty of Jehovah's Witnesses here, so I'm able to to find a Kingdom Hall where where they don't know who I am, and uh, they recognize that I'm not one of them. Uh, They keep their congregations pretty small, so uh, a stranger's face is, is recognized very easily. So they'll ask me afterwards, did I have any questions? And 
Yeah, boy, boy, do I really have questions. <laughs> you know, I don't understand why you guys aren't partaking, or, or the speaker said X, Y, Z, and, and what did he mean by this? And so I asked this particular elder a couple of questions, and he he was zealous, I mean, overly zealous, really, to answer my questions and wanted to get together with me. And I thought, you know, that's great. That's just what I want to do. So we decided to meet at a local restaurant, and we have been meeting almost on a weekly basis since uh, early this year. Or, um, I think it's April. April um, The first week of April was the first time that we met outside of the Kingdom Hall. Mm-hmm. And we, we meet in a, in a neutral location. I don't want to meet there at the Kingdom Hall because I don't want to accidentally run into somebody who might know who I am. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't want them in my home either because the territory that I live in, they, they do know who we are and mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. So all, he's, all he would have to do is easily check yeah. the records and see that I'm not someone they, need, they should be talking to. So your house is marked like mine is, then. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and sometimes uh, individual witnesses don't get the memo and they'll show up at our door. Uh-huh. Um, but that's that's not very often. It's very few and far between. So I choose a, a, a neutral oh, location, and and one of the things that I would encourage people to do the most, I mean, besides praying your way through this, mm-hmm. and I literally do pray my way through conversations, but one of the things that I, I really encourage people to do is to remain in the student role. Mm. We have uh, an article on our website that's called Student Role Teaching, and it's a concept that I learned from David Reed, who was a former Jehovah's Witness elder and has now come out and, and become a Christian. Mm-hmm. But in his book, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower, mm-hmm. he pointed out that you can control question or you can control a conversation by asking questions. Yes. So when people would come to Jesus and they would say, uh, uh, you know, who do you think you are? Jesus wouldn't necessarily answer the question with a, a flat-out statement. He would return questions and basically draw the answer out of them. And if you remember Jesus asking Peter, who do men say that I am? Mm-hmm. Well, who do you think I am? So he's, mm-hmm. he's drawing the answer right out of Peter's mm-hmm. mouth. And that's something that I really encourage people to do, is ask a lot of questions in the student role. Because if you come across like you want to teach the Jehovah's Witness or that you have something that they need to understand, or even if you try to say, well, you tell me what you believe, and then I'll tell you what Mm -hmm. I believe, you're probably going to get one, two, maybe three meetings at the Mm -hmm. most with these people. So by staying in the student role, yet controlling the conversation with questions, and not necessarily challenging questions, you know, well, why did John 1-1 say that, uh, that Jesus is God, and the Greek you added an A, and, and mm. those kinds of questions put a Jehovah's Witness on the defensive. Mm-hmm. But if you can ask a clarifying question, then that forces them to dig deeper and to go beyond their normal base. The only word that comes to my mind right now is robot answers. Yes. When you're talking with a Jehovah's Witness, you're talking to a mini watchtower, mm-hmm. because they're taught these are the specific answers that you give. But if, if you ask a question that yeah. doesn't quite fit their answer, they really don't know where to go with that. So it forces them to do thinking on their own, something that they're forbidden to do. The Watchtower actually says in a 1981 Watchtower to avoid independent thinking. Mm-hmm. So if I want to get them to think, the best way to do that is to ask good, honest-hearted questions yes. where they feel, you know, that's a great question, and I, I want to have an answer 
for you. So if they don't have an answer right off the spot, then that gives them an opportunity to do some research and look into some things later on their own. So instead of the point-counterpoint method, and I've done that, and there is a a time and a place for that, but not when you're first meeting with the Jehovah's Witness, because you want to build that relationship. You want to build a foundation first. Uh, In fact, last week, the Jehovah's Witness that I met with brought another individual that I didn't know. And whenever he does that, I will, before we jump into our Bible study, I will ask this person, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you like to do? How long have you been a Jehovah's Witness? What were you before this? Or So I, I want to kind of get a sense of who I'm talking to. Uh, what's their profession? What makes them tick? What kinds of things do they like? What kinds of things don't they like? And when you become personally interested in someone, then they tend to open up a lot more than they normally would. Most Jehovah's Witnesses just want to jump into whatever book that they're studying at the time, go through the questions, read the book, and that's pretty much it. And I'm never going to get along with a Jehovah's Witness like that, because I want to be able to know this person that I'm dealing with. I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know what kinds of questions that I can get in their minds to get them thinking about things from a different perspective. So there's there's a lot of just fundamental, basic, how do you treat human being mm-hmm. things that Christians tend to forget when a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or somebody shows up at their door, they they automatically think that they have to be in some sort of a war. And, and that's not the case at all. These people are exactly that. They're people first. Mm-hmm. And we need to deal with them on a human level before we can really jump in to deep theological matters and expect them to hear what we're saying. Yeah. Now, a lot of times, though, the people, the Christian, doesn't know enough, and that can be a little dangerous to just be asking questions. Do you encourage Christians? We want to equip Christians to be able to respond to these things, and I just finished a mission, uh, mission U program that's on our website that shares the the teachings, you know, comparing what they teach. Uh, it's not necessarily what you have to uh, bash them over the head with, but do you equip Christians so they understand these things? Because just uh, too many times over the years I've met Jehovah's Witnesses that didn't know anything. Maybe they were nominal Christians and they got involved and they started asking questions and they become Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't know much. So, you know, what do you do to equip the Christian who doesn't have the kind of time you have as a, as a, a full-time missionary uh, to, to become equipped? So even though they can learn from you and build that relationship, maybe they don't have as much time because I think that's wonderful that you're able to meet with somebody from March and April on a weekly basis and still be meeting with him and still be sharing the information with him. But a lot of people aren't going to have that time. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people don't have the time. And it really depends on the situation and the person that you're dealing with. And, of course, the personalities, whether or not personalities match, that kind of thing. They, you might not get a meeting that actually lasts that long. Um, but if if people really don't have the time to delve into things, uh, one resource that we offer on our blog, and people can check it out, blog.evidenceministries.org, uh, what I do is I, I keep copious notes on our conversations. And when I come home, I will write up 
I'll do some narrative and I'll mm-hmm. do some uh, some actual dialogue. Of KW Keith Walker said this. JW the mm-hmm. JW said this, and I'll kind of explain why I said certain things, why I didn't say certain things, what directions I want to go in, uh, those kinds of things. People can get on our blog and they can read my previous conversations with this Jehovah's Witness that I'm meeting with now, and then the one that I met with last year. We met for eleven months, and it's. It's teaching a Christian from a different perspective how to witness to a Jehovah's Witness. Most books that you would you would get from a Christian bookstore, they'll either look at things doctrinally or um, maybe even get into some history and, and some of the false prophecies, that kind of thing. This is much different. This is an actual conversation that Christians can read and get a sense of what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, because I, I make sure that... When I witness to a Jehovah's Witness, I don't tell them everything I know about sure. the Watchtower. Sure. Because the chances are, and this is just because I've been doing this for so long, the chances are I know more about their organization and the history and the doctrine than they do. Yeah. Because I've been involved in this longer than, a lot of times, longer than they have. So, And I've got a better Watchtower library than most Kingdom Halls do. <laughs> so I'm able to yeah. really research and dig into it and... and and find out what the organization has taught on certain things in the past and how it differs from what they teach now. Okay. So I don't spell out everything that I believe, so I'm, I'm, I'm really cognizant of trying to get the witness to spell things out for me. Okay. And again, I ask those clarifying questions. Okay, so this is what you're saying. Yes, this is what I'm saying. And I make mental notes of that, or I'll actually write down a note, and then when I get home, I put all that out on my blog mm-hmm. so that I'm explaining what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, and then I'm actually demonstrating how I point out the problems with what they believe, but not in a way that I'm actually challenging them, but in a way that I'm asking them to help me understand from their perspective how this, how this certain thing makes sense. For instance, just this last week, we were talking about forgiveness of sin and, and whether or not it's, it's something that can be earned or if it's given. And the witnesses, within the last 10 years, they've been doing a much better job of sounding more Christian than they have in the past. And this guy actually told me, oh, no, you can't earn it. There isn't anything that we can do. Mm. And then he immediately took me to James chapter 2 to to tell me that faith without works is dead Mm. and to try to use that passage to twist that passage to show that you have to have works. And I said, no, wait a minute, I don't understand something. If there isn't anything I can do, then why did you take me to a passage that you believe teaches the necessity of works before we can be forgiven? And he said, you know, that's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't have an answer for it. Yeah. He made up an answer, yeah. and, and we kind of went through a couple of the, the verses in the context to to try to back up to what what he was saying, but then I just asked the same question. Well, I understand what you're saying, and I understand what these verses are saying, but I don't understand why you would take me to a passage that you believe dictates the necessity of works mm. if you don't believe in works. Yeah. yeah. And if you didn't, if you, or I asked this question, too. I said, if, if the Watchtower did teach that works were necessary before you could be forgiven, how would it look any different than what you're telling me now? Mm. And again, he had no answer. So that's yeah. something that's bothering good. him good, inside good, good, his good. mind right now. Right. And he's going to go research. In fact, the other, the guy that he brought with him, at the end of our discussion, he said, "You know, I've had the same question too. Mm. If if it's all about if it's a gift, then why do I have to work for it? 
Oh, good, good, good. Let me, let me make a few announcements and then we'll continue talking sure. to Keith Walker. Each week, Family Shield offers a booklet or resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering the Family Shield Counter Cult Ministry booklet and a series of tracks that we purchase and give away that will help you respond and witness to Jehovah's Witnesses. To receive the booklet and tracks at no charge, call our response center 1-877- Three one seven four three two six. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Tell us how the program has impacted you and your family. Submit prayer request or send a donation to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box two three zero zero one five, St. Louis, Missouri six three one two three. Also, remember we have an archive page where you can hear radio programs again are ones that you've missed. You can also sign up to receive our email newsletter on our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. I also want to mention that I presented a one-hour program on responding and witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses recently for Mission U, and that is on our website. And I have my book, Mission Field, on our doorstep Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses that we can uh, give our uh, get to you. But I want to go back to my guest, Keith Walker, president of Evidence Ministries, and his website has so many wonderful resources for responding to Jehovah's Witnesses as well as Mormons. That is www.evidenceministries.org. If you forget that, on our website, Family Shield's website, we have a recommended links page and under that various categories one of the categories is apologetics and you will find evidence ministries as well as other wonderful uh, agencies and organizations websites that deal with uh, cults other religions and the like so um, thank you keith again for talking about that as we uh, have the second half of our program let's transition a little bit if we can to how family members and friends keep the communication lines open. Uh, We deal through our ministry a lot with loved ones that have a daughter, a mom, a grandma, aunt or uncle who are Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons as well. And it's harder when it's a loved one Mm. because um, at least I think it is. Now, I usually encourage them to keep Become equipped, but keep the communication lines open. But I want to ask you what you share with loved ones that have someone very close to them that are very active in the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they want to witness, but uh, how do you share with them what they should or shouldn't do, especially as it relates to that relationship building? Well, one of the things that David Reed pointed out in his book that I mentioned earlier, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower, He pointed out that farmers really like rain, but they don't like deluges. They don't want a a huge thunderstorm to come down and wash away all their good soil and the seed with it. They prefer a long, gentle, steady sprinkle. And that is what I encourage people to do. Instead of sitting somebody down with an envelope full of Watchtower false prophecies or doctrinal changes and flip-flops and historical problems and all this stuff, and just, you know, slapping down a whole bunch of photocopies and trying to read through that with somebody, take your time. If, If they are a family member, then the chances are you've got a lot of time to take with these people because 
because you're family and because you're going to see each other uh, often, hopefully. But if you come straight up against them, and the Watchtower is really smart with how they do things, but if you come straight up against them, in the mind of especially in New Jehovah's Witness, you will be fulfilling a prophecy that the Watchtower tells about you. What they do is they'll say, now that you're studying the Bible, Satan is not happy. And Satan will send people to try to dissuade you from studying the Bible. And these people, they might even be your loved ones. So if you as a loved one appear to this person who is interested in the Jehovah's Witnesses or who actually is a Jehovah's Witness... If you fit that model as someone who is opposing them, then that just does nothing more than solidify their belief and their trust in what the Watchtower says. So they're going to view you with suspicion, and they're go- it's going to drive them even deeper into the Watchtower. So instead of coming up against them with force, force against force or fire against fire, you want to try that long, steady, gentle reign asking questions, and and I always encourage people to make sure that when they ask questions, they're not trying to ask the trapping kinds of questions. There is a a time to do that, but again, it's not up front. Sometimes you just want to ask the question just so that you can understand their perspective a little better, and you can even tell them that. Not that I believe that what you believe or that I'm even going to, but I'm curious as to why you believe this. And, of course, they're going to see that as an opportunity to explain the truth to you. So they'll do that. But if you turn around and then challenge them with something else, they're going to get pretty wise that the only reason you want to ask them questions is to challenge them. So, so we've got to be careful not to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Ask questions, but don't always challenge them with a follow-up question or something like that. Sometimes just ask a question because you want to know. Mm-hmm. And if this really is a loved one, then you should be interested in the things that that they're learning and the things that they believe and the things that they trust. Tuck those things away. I've got a little technique I call stuffing aces. If, if anybody plays cards, you know that you know a cheater can grab an ace and hold on to it for later on and play it at an opportune time. Well, that's what we kind of do is we want to stuff some aces, remember the things that they say, and remember those so that we can use them later on down the line. Because if we just spew everything we know at them in one sitting, that's chances are that's the only opportunity you're going to have with them. Yeah. So take things slow, ask a lot of questions, pray your way through these conversations, pray for your loved one faithfully, uh, and, and God's going to give you more opportunities to, to meet with and to talk to these people. But if you come right up against them, right up front, then in their minds you're just, you're just fulfilling a prophecy that the Watchtower is told about you, and they're not going to want to have any kind of religious discussion. So it needs to be done slowly. Yes. And um, sometimes, I know we've had this happen, loved ones, uh, Jehovah's Witness family member will stop talking to them completely mm-hmm. uh, because of them trying to witness. So it, it's it's definitely a delicate thing. And I usually say keep the communication lines open, right. uh, but become equipped so that you can share. Now, uh, what about, and maybe you never do this, but what about you meet a Jehovah's Witness you know you're never going to see them again. I met one at a stop on when I was traveling, somebody standing at one of the 
um, uh, bathroom stops, and I can't think what you call it, on the road, and I know I was never going to see her again. Mm-hmm. Um, do you share, you know, do you see that as an opportunity God has opened a door? And what do you share if you just have a few minutes and you know you're never going to have an opportunity to visit with them again? That's a great question, and I do have a number of little things that I like to, to do. My favorite is uh, the resurrection, because the Jehovah's Witnesses, they they know how to argue against the Trinity, and unfortunately most Christians don't know how to defend the doctrine well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I encourage people to stay away from that unless you really, really know what you're doing. If you don't, then stick with uh, with what I'm suggesting is the resurrection. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll just ask them, do you believe that Jesus was a prophet? And of course they're going to say, yes, we believe that Jesus is a prophet ask more follow-up questions. Okay, so if Jesus was a prophet and he gave a a prophecy that had a definite time element, what would we call him if it didn't come true? Well, he'd be a false prophet. Okay, good, I agree with you. Jesus would be a false prophet if he gave a prophecy with a definite time element and it didn't happen. I don't believe that. I don't believe that uh, that Jesus was a, a false prophet, and hopefully you don't either. And, and at this time, the Jehovah's Witnesses are agreeing with you. That's right. Jesus was a true prophet. If he gave prophecies, they had to happen. And if they don't, then he can't be a true prophet, and he certainly couldn't have died for my sins. So then just ask them, if Jesus said that he was going to raise his physical body, what would you think about this? And then they're going to tell you, oh, well, Jesus never said that. Well, that's not the question I asked you. If Jesus said it, if. If Jesus said it, would you believe him? If he said he would raise his physical body, would you believe that he actually raised his physical body? Because if he didn't do it and he said he would, then what, what is he? He's a false prophet. So if if they tell you, and I've actually had Jehovah's Witnesses tell me, no, they wouldn't believe him. At that point, conversation's over, because you're not dealing with someone who, at that point, is interested in truth. Mm-hmm. So, okay, fine, you don't want to know, then then uh, I pray that someday the Lord's going to put you in a place where, where you can actually listen. Um, but if they do want to know, then I take them to John chapter 2. Uh, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And the narrative says in verse 21, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Mm-hmm. So if Jesus said he was going to raise his physical body, and he didn't, then he's a false prophet. So at this point, the Jehovah's Witness has one of two choices. Either they believe what the Bible says, that Jesus was raised in his physical body, or they're going to believe what the Watchtower says when the Watchtower dictates that he was not raised in his physical body, that he was raised as a, quote-unquote, glorious spirit creature. So what are they going to believe? Are they going to believe the Watchtower, or are they going to believe the Bible? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Keith Walker is president of Evidence Ministries, and uh, we hope that you have enjoyed the program. Uh, if you want to learn more about Family Shield Ministries, that's www.familyshieldministries.com. If you want to connect with Keith, his website is www.evidenceministries.org. Great resources on that website. And if you want to get our booklet or tracks, call our response center 1 877 317 4326. Again, this is Kay Meyer, President of Family Shield Ministries. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.